you ready to take your writing to the next level? Then welcome to the Book Editor Show. Join Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley each week as they teach you all the tips, tools, and techniques you need to move your book from manuscript to market. Visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books, and extras to make your old novel better than ever. Now, please welcome Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley. Welcome to the Book Editor Show. Today, we'll help you amp up the first 20 pages of your manuscript for submission. I'm Leslie Watts, standing in for Clark Chamberlain, and in a world where agents must wade through info dumps, beginnings without conflict, and an ocean of typos, one man has endured fire and ice and survived the Game of Thrones to bring the magic elixir of an unput-downable story. That man is my friend and the book editor show co-host, Peter Turley. Peter, how are you today? I'm great. That that was um, that was so relevant as well after a sort of season six finale the other day. I, I like that. I like how you've uh, you've kept it on point with the current events. <laughs> well, current, current events event. in Westeros, but you know, still current. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, and I haven't seen it. So, and Peter's, of course, you are, of course, the kind of person who would never reveal spoilers. Oh, no. no, never. No. That's not something me and Clark do often on the show at all. <laughs> well, it's great. So, you know, immediately after this, run off and watch that. It's just brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I have spent uh, the last several days in, in one manuscript. So I've uh, been visiting England um, or the UK. Um, and that's been really fun. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you like of, your um, imaginary tour of England? It's very good. It's very good. It uh, it didn't quite compare. Like, I did get to go visit earlier this year, which was a big, big, fabulous, awesome, fun thing because I've always wanted to. Um, and uh, and it, it's ni- nice to read and be like editing and be in a book for a long time that's in a place that's much cooler than where I am now. <laughs> well, um, you know, say that after living here a while. <laughs> I'm only joking. I love it. Too. <laughs> I think uh, that's the only way, isn't it? Like full immersion sometimes when you're, you're working with something. I, I can't sort of, you know, dip in and out of things. I've got to sort of be like neck high in something. That's the only way I can really understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the same way. Awesome. Yeah, much of the same for me, really, just um, editing and writing, still trying to keep up with um, Clark's 90-day challenge. Now, we did a show on this, and we are sort of like over two-thirds of the way through, I think. Um, but if anyone listening still wants to jump into that, they can find the group on Facebook. It's just Clark's 90-day challenge. And it's going to be an ongoing thing, so you know anyone can come in at any time and sort of keep going with that. Um, so yeah, just a, just a reminder that if you're looking to set yourself a new challenge, whether it's writing, editing, or life stuff <laughs> then uh, head over to that and jump in because it's, it's been great um so today's show uh, we're talking about how we can amp up the first 20 pages of your story so we'll start by talking about why the first 20 pages are so important now obviously what we're going to talk about today i think you can apply to you know the first chapter the first couple of chapters or 
you know, what the, the beginning basically. But we're, we're we're looking at around the first twenty pages because that's the kind of, I think that's how long people are maybe willing to give a story, you know, to to get going. Um, so if they've not managed to to maybe get into it yet at that point, then you you're probably a little goosed, and <laughs> you know. Yeah, they talk about uh, NPR. Oh, what NPR attention or NPR? Never mind. Oh, sorry, I, but some people will stick with it, and some people will put it down right away. They won't talk. Ah, so there was like there was a vivid fact bubbling beneath the surface. Then wasn't there? I there was. It. And it just, <laughs> just escaped me. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> so you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably come to you like halfway through the podcast and you'll remember exactly what that means. <laughs> NPR attention span. That's what it is. It's that, you know, some people have that will sit and listen to stuff that isn't quite relevant. But, um, but when you're talking about agents and you're wanting to submit your work or you're talking about most readers, they're not going to sit through something that's not working unless they're game of thrones readers and they manage to get through you know the family tree that is the opening of the first book (laughs) (laughs) yeah we could do a correlation between npr and game of thrones readers (laughs) that would be interesting wouldn't it (laughs) we'll have a we'll have like a a monthly pointless study show (laughs) on on the show So I'm oh, guessing Clark is, is going to be thrilled with this. Yeah, back. I'm guessing everyone can can kind of tell which bracket we fall into. <laughs> <laughs> so, so why are we amping up the first twenty pages? So, I, I'd suggest that it's it's for people who are looking to submit the work um, to agents or editors, um, but also, if, you know, if, if your book's on Kindle and and people want to kind of check it out, it's obviously the the first part that they're going to be able to download and they're going to be able to look at before they make that crucial decision mm-hmm. um, to buy the book so you know i think it's, it's pretty it's really important that we get that we polish that first section as much as possible i mean you'll probably know when when writing and editing it a lot i know, know when i do i get sick of the <laughs> of the opening of something because you spend you can spend so much time on it mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. i think it's i think a good tip here if, if not a little tangential, tangential, nope, that word's gone, <laughs> is, to, um, is to try not to go over the opening until you've finished the whole thing because I'm a, I'm a sucker for like getting a few chapters in and being like, oh, I really didn't, really not sure on that opening. I'm going to go back and take a look at that. <laughs> and, then you, and then you just spend like hours and days just going over the same stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, this is definitely when you've finished a draft. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I, I think that it, part of it is coming back to it with, um, with objective eyes because what I find a lot in the manuscripts that I edit is that there's a lot of like throat clearing, and getting ready to tell the story. Like they're not the author is not necessarily doesn't have everything figured out. Of course you don't. It's the first draft Um, or even, you know, further in a little bit, you're still figuring that stuff out. So I think that, um, that getting that some distance so that you can be objective about those pages is, is important. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think there's no better place to start than any. Obviously, you can start wherever you want when you're looking at the first session, but is um, the first line. You know, I think re kind of moving outwards from from there like a ripple effect. You know, I think it's good to have a really tight and polished first line that then extends to the first paragraph and the first chapter. And perhaps in that order of importance, I would suggest, you know, maybe not, but it's debatable. <laughs> I think a few things to include when you when you're looking at your first line, or if you're wondering what constitutes a solid first line, um, are things like a hook. Mm -hmm. um, I start to say, I mean, do you think the hook needs to be in the first line or I mean, I think it's a possible something that, you know, you could have as a first line. Um, but it's a, it's a vague thing, isn't it? The hook, you know, like the hook is vague. Yeah. So I think that the, I think it is important to, to have a hook in the first line because you have people who don't have the game of Thrones slash NPR attention span <laughs> that, you know, they read the first, if you have a first line that grabs the reader, and, you know, you know, then they keep reading and then, you know, then they'll read your paragraph and your, the whole scene in your chapters. So, and, and getting back to a hook. Yeah. A hook is, it's a question or something intriguing that pull that asks or that the, the reader kind of asks in their mind and that keeps them going so they can find out what happens. And, um, it doesn't have to be necessarily connected to the whole, you know, the whole big story. I mean, it should be connected to the whole big story, but it doesn't have to be about the, the big conflict, the main conflict of the story, just something that's interesting that where the reader goes, huh? And they want to, they want to read more. Yeah. What's going to happen next? Yeah. And, and it's hard to do. I mean, Obviously, there's great examples of classic first lines, everything, but... Um, it was I, a dark and stormy night. No, that's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that gets... That's the exam, The bad example yeah, that, that people that, trot out. With um, dream sequence endings. <laughs> right, right. Like, um, no. I, I read... Um, I mean, I, I like, love my fantasy. Um Brandon Sanderson's um, Mistborn series mm -hmm. recently. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that opened with just a really short first sentence, if I recall correctly, don't have it around. Um, and it was, Ash fell from the sky. And I mean, that's a, like descriptive and it's about the setting. And But I also thought that was a little bit of a hook because I was, it made me wonder and you know, it raised questions and it did a few of these things really gently that you know, made me want to carry on reading, you know, I just thought that was perfect, especially within the genre, which <laughs> it would be um, a perfect first line. That was, I just thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of now something. Yeah. The ones that, the ones that come to mind right now are, are the classics. And I, I think that, um, I think that we have different sensibilities now that the, um, you know, a tale of two cities, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times yeah. and, and on and on. Like, I don't think that works anymore. It's kind of interesting 
And it would probably was very interesting to people who had much longer attention spans. But today, I think something that has a question, a little mystery, um, like, you know, where's that? What is the ash? Where is it coming from? You know, yeah. that kind of thing. That's just, uh, it's, um, it's kind of irresistible. Yeah, that, that intrigue. I think we, yeah, we've definitely evolved from sort of those classic opening lines. They're, they're great to look at, but also, you know, look at some modern examples. It's kind of a, a tip that we gave out in last week's show, you know, look at, look at stuff that you're reading now and, and see how these things are being done because, you know, you've definitely got to be aware of current trends, so, you know, so that you can either go with them or do something a little different. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just think that's a great hook. Um, so next, yeah. I think, um, of, so no, this is by no means an order of importance. This is just sort of what I would go through when I'm, I'm looking at it and, you know, making sure that all these things are, are, are present in sort of like these first mm-hmm. 20 pages. Um, is to obviously, well, not obviously, because maybe some people don't, um, you know, one of the big don'ts I would say is to have overly long descriptions or, you know, of the setting in the, in the first 20 pages, I'd say what's more important is to introduce the main character Mm -hmm. um, and, or, and possibly if you can, um, what their goals are going to be for, for the, the wider story. Right. Yeah, I agree. The, um, if I think about the, the book that I read in the last year, that's really, really stuck with me was The Aeronaut's Windlass by Jim Butcher. And the opening pages are um, this this woman, and you see her in a situation where, you know, she's having a disagreement with her mother, and she wants to do something that's out of, you know, that's out of character for young ladies of her, um, of her station. And she's it's just, it's a characteristic moment and you see the echoes of it throughout the story. And there's not, you know, we're not, we're thrown right into the middle of it rather than kind of um, like dipping a toe in. And I think either way, like some stories do great to start out with that, you know, with the main character in a, in a situation you know, like they're in it and this demonstrates who they are. But, you know, on the other hand, you don't have to do that. It's more like what fits with your story. But finding that thing, that way to help us care about the character and um, and connect with them is yeah. so important. Yeah, I think I think the sooner we can connect with a, a person or a, a character, the better. Um, and obviously, you know, we we discussed in, in the past ways that you can kind of connect with a character. And I think the basics are, you know, having an empathetic character, someone that's relatable. And you talked about this this woman who's um, what did you say? She's um, reaching for like something. She wants freedom. She wants to do. She wants to. She wants to join the basically she wants to join the army um in essence and it's not something that women of her station normally do and so this is a characteristic thing of her of this character and then it's also just like we're 
you know, some of us can relate to that, that feeling of wanting something that's outside of our, of what we're supposed to have in the moment. It it gives us something to kind of get behind immediately, you know, as as a reader to, you know, there's a person here that's has a a goal, a strong passion and desire to to reach for something. Mm -hmm. And immediately we kind of want them to reach that goal. (laughs) And we're, we're then going to be willing to kind of follow them on that journey and, you know, through the ups and downs. So I think that's why establishing the goal as early as you you can, you know, just lets the reader kind of, you know, fall into toe and be like, okay, this is someone I'm going to, I'm happy to spend the whole of the book with. (laughs) Right. Right. I, yes. I, I love when that happens that you just, you fall in love with the character right away. You connect with, in some way you connect with what it is that they want. And then yes, anywhere you go, I'm going with you. Like then I'm willing to sit through if there's a bit um, in the, in the middle where it drags a little or whatever, it doesn't matter because I'm in love with the character. And so I'll, yeah, you almost I'll become know. willing to see them in any situation. <laughs> it's like uh-huh. sort of, now they yeah. go shopping and you're like, well, okay, I'll go. <laughs> All right. that's a good point (laughs) although on a shopping trip there would probably be very little conflict (laughs) and i think that's that's our next point that you know you you mentioned sort of offer um because i think in introducing conflict you know and or an antagonist and or at least alluding to sort of who the the main antagonist is going to be is is quite powerful to have in the opening of, of a story and you mentioned something about bridging it that to the to the main conflict yeah so when you start the story you one of the things you're doing is establishing the you know the normal the ordinary world so the main conflict that the story is about might not have arisen yet but what you do in those opening pages is provide a conflict that sort of bridges to the main conflict. It might be a similar, okay, so I'm gonna come up with a crazy example here. There's this show called The Wonder Pets and it's for kids. And in the beginning, they always have a, they're, they're, they go on a journey in their fly boat, which is made up of components that you might see in a preschool classroom. And they, so in the beginning, they always have a little trouble getting the flyboat together. And whatever there's a little so there's a little conflict that they work out, and it always relates to the big conflict, the main conflict that they have in the in the episode. And so that kind of thing is really you can do you can create that in your story. And this is a very simple little show, but you can do that with your big, like even an epic fantasy have a you know a conflict that is somehow tangentially connected to the main conflict that helps the reader get in there and be interested while you're building while you're giving them the elements and building the up to the main conflict yeah unless you do a a, god this is so game of thrones oriented today (laughs) unless you do a george rr martin and introduce the white walkers in the opening and then yeah. don't come back to them for like an eon. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, you know, I think it's a, it's one of those like cautionary example 
that people like people will say, well, George R. R. Martin can do it in Game of Thrones, and it's like, yep, he did. He did a lot of things, and it doesn't always work. So you want to yeah. make sure that, like, he, you know, I'm not saying he got lucky because the man is an amazing storyteller. But what I would say is that you cannot, you can't necessarily count on whatever worked for somebody else to work for you. So you really need to build your storytelling chops and yeah, definitely. Great story. Yeah. And I think that's sort of like the main purpose of a lot of the things we talk about is, you know, to, to do these things maybe first and then, you know, let, let it evolve from there and see what, what you're better at and what, you know, what are going to be things that are, are unique to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so next, I think, um, as well as conflict, I think it's important to, you know, we talk, we've talk, we talk about this a lot in, in stories and in, in writing, and that's um, making promises to the, to the reader. And I think it's easy to forget that even if we're not consciously doing this, the reader, that's how they're perceiving our work. They're kind of thinking, you know, when they're hanging on every word we say at the beginning. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think if we, if we open with an action scene, for example, um, you know, it's really brutal and gory and guts writhing up fingernails and, you know, it's really gritty, then that's going to kind of set the, set a promise, I think, for the, that the story is going to be this way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think promises can be many things, but one of those things is, you know, what kind of book are you going to be reading? So, right. you know, is this going to be, what kind of plot is this going to be? Is this going to be a tragedy? Um, is it going to be like a, you know, like a revenge plot? Because then, because then that's another promise. You're that the reader's then going to expect to see this revenge enacted kind of later in the story. Right. Um, so basically everything we write, I think, has a thread of a promise running through it, whether we're aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is like when you were talking, I was thinking about Indiana Jones and the first the first movie and if they <laughs> just if randomly they had, I know I just just like when I think of Peter Turley I think of Indiana Jones they're like the same person right well so the if they had opened that movie with the with the scene where uh Indiana Jones is the professor and you know and he's teaching in, you know, in a, in a university classroom, then it would be kind of breaking the promise, like it not being really upfront about what's going to happen. But they open with the scene where he is out in, you know, he's in the jungle and he's trying to uh, acquire that object. And, and so like everything that you need to know about Indiana Jones, for the most part, is in that scene at the beginning, all of the promises, you know, of, this is a guy who believes things, you know, that artifacts should be in museums so people can, so they can be studied, so people can um, see them. And, and I'm wandering off a little here, but, but the, but the point is that, yeah, that you're making promises in, in the very beginning and you want to make sure that you're making the right promises for what you want to deliver. Yeah, I think that's a great example because um, if we th- if we sort of consider it the other way around, and that it opens with him giving a lecture to a class, mm-hmm. and you know that it's just going to be, it's going to kind of go against what we want of like 
the very first section, you know, the first paragraph and the first scene, it's going to be a bit, bit too boring. Whereas when it opens mm -hmm. that way, it kind of ticks all those other boxes of, you know, intrigue and hook and character. And then when you kind of find out that he's, you know, a, a university professor and there's this sort of other side that's, that then adds depth and it then serves to kind of deepen yeah. the character that way. So yeah, that's yeah. a good example. Yeah. Um, I think also kind of tied to promises, um, it's kind of an offshoot maybe, um, is that in the, when you're looking over the first 20 pages or the first chapter um, or whatever it is, you did the theme of the, the novel should pro should probably be present and the tone um, that, that the novel is going to be written in because obviously you don't want to sort of polish something up that kind of makes it, you know, so it doesn't resemble the rest of the book. You know, you mm -hmm. want to, because if someone picks it up in a bookshop and like, right, I'm going to read the first page and like, you know, you, you want, you, your author voice comes across and your tone and, and they kind of fall in love with that. But then in chapter two, it's just a completely different style of writing and, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the theme changes yeah. and, you know, I think that what's being established is, is kind of has to be persistent throughout, but I think really trying to set the tone, you know, and, and you do that through, you know, your writing style really. Um, and, you know, POV having really set in the POV and, you know, having it really just clear cut what kind of book this is going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that's a really important part of the, the overall, you need that, you need the beginnings of that, the theme, like, what is it, you know, what is it about? And sometimes people, I think, make it um, a little more complicated than it needs to be. But if you, ha like, if you have a romance, your theme is something connected to love. So maybe the, there's something that reveals what the, you know, the, the main characters, what the main character believes about love. And you don't want to like knock people over the head with it, but you want something in there about, you know, this is what, this is what I'm telling you. This is what this story is, is about thematically. It's about love or it's about, um, you know, justice or it's, you know, whatever the, like big, the big topic that you're kind of wrestling with under the, under the surface that that needs to be in there. Yeah, for sure. And I think, and this is a, this is a great sort of place for beta readers to step in. I think because sometimes we don't know, you know, why we're writing a particular story and mm -hmm. what, what it is that's trying to get to the surface and other people can be a really great kind of like sounding board to, to help you figure out, you know, what, what sort of keeps recurring through the story. And then you can kind of think of a, a clear um, and, you know, good way of having this in, in the opening of the book. Um, you know, this isn't obviously something you're going to sit down in, in the first, first go of the first chapter and, you know, your theme is going to be present and, you know, it's going to be put across in the perfect scene. Um, but yeah, so I think other people are just invaluable at this point when you, you're trying to, you know, think what keeps popping up and because we don't always know that ourselves, I think, I mean, maybe you do, you know, maybe you sit down and you're like, right, I'll, this, I'm going to sort of do this topic justice or I'm going to, you know, tackle this. But 
Some, sometimes we don't. Right, right. I think, yeah, I mean, the, I think the genre tells you a little bit, you know, like it gives you a, a ballpark, but the specific thing that you want to say about it, you might not necessarily know. I think that's, that's brilliant that you, you know, talk to people and find out, you know, what, so what did you get out of this? What did you get from it? And I think that's a really important step. Yeah. I kind of thought when you said, um, you know, the, the genre is a ballpark, it's like you wouldn't have kind of like a, a gruesome horror that uh, tackles the theme of like romance or, right. you know, <laughs> maybe there's a little bit of romance in there, but you know, that you, you thematically try and sort of explore this topic <laughs> within a horror setting. Okay. Are you, are you accepting that as a challenge? Possibly. Yeah, we'll talk about that next time. In fact, that's, right. a, write, that's a writing prompt, you know, um, send us your submissions. <laughs> we'll right. do yeah. we'll a horror romance anthology. <laughs> horror romance anthology. Oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. That would be really fun to do a mashup like that. <laughs> take like two polar opposite ideas and just throw them together in, <laughs> on a page. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now I think... Kind of lastly, you know, after sort of looking at um, kind of like a bit of a checklist, I think this, this is the more boring one, but it's and it's important for the whole book. But I think this is really, you know, and mistakes can't really be afforded at all in, in this bit. And that's, um, you know, the technical requirements of your, of your submission. Oh, um, yeah. You know, they, they need to be there, don't they? I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's. I, I suspect that it is pretty rare that the uh, that an agent or an editor, an acquisition editor would um, would be you know would think oh well this is not the final final I mean people when they notice typos they're they're like if you have a typo in your resume you're not going to get hired generally I mean that people look at that and. And they think, oh, if you can't get this, if you're not getting this part that's kind of straightforward, right? Even though typos are difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm the first to admit typos are difficult and, you know, getting the, the punctuation and the, like getting it all in there, it's, it's tricky. Um, but I think people think that that's the, that's the very basic ticket of admission is that you have to meet all the requirements and that you have to have it be as error free as possible. Yeah, that's a really sort of uh, interesting way to look at it as um, you know, the, the first 20 pages or the first three chapters or the, you know, whatever it is that you're submitting to whoever, um, they're, they're kind of like a resume for the rest of the book, you know, the, mm -hmm. They're your sort of resume for like your abilities, because obviously if you're submitting it traditionally, perhaps to a traditional publisher, then there's going to be room to change things, you know, probably over the next like year, you know, so. Or two. Yeah. But, so, so, <laughs> yeah. So, so it is going to kind of serve as like, look, this is my ability. This is my skill. This is what the story, where I want to take the story. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, yeah, spelling, punctuation, grammar, really really has to be on point and but as along with that there's also the submission guidelines and i think mm -hmm. yeah you know looking at where you're submitting it and because they're kind of different all over the place which is a little bit annoying but 
you know, there's no there's right. sort of universal <laughs> requirement. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has their particular things like, you know, Van Halen wants all the brown M&Ms taken out of the bowl of M&Ms in, the, you know, in their dressing rooms. And, um, yeah, we I mean, all have our little quirky preferences. I, I only sort of, I'll, I'll only edit something if it's in Windings because, you know, it's a, a sufficient challenge, of course. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I understand. You would, of course, with all of your abilities and, and experiences, <laughs> you would be quite bored editing <laughs> something that was just in straight up English prose. I, that makes so total think, sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that would probably be nigh on impossible. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think just to sort of tie this up, I think it's to touch on a few things to um, to avoid in the first 20 pages. You know, we've talked about what you can do and what, what to kind of look for and check that's been included. Um, but there's also, you know, a few things kind of not to do. Do you mm -hmm. have any suggestions of, you know, something that maybe to avoid for the opening? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I would, a long yeah. list. <laughs> oh, yes. There's the scroll. It's rolling. Can you see it? Um, so I think, yeah, the having too much, um, you know, having info dumps and, and too much backstory, too much world building that, you know, that the, you want to, you want to, you know, your, your aim is to install the reader in your world. Like, you know, like take them there, immerse them in it, but you do that by engaging them with characters they care about and with, um, with conflict and intrigue and you don't do that with your really cool world i mean it's a night it's a, it's a, you know it's an important element and i don't want to say like don't don't give it time and you know i know you think that detail about the phone is so awesome but don't no i'm not i'm not saying that it but what i'm saying is that you want to you want to avoid focusing on the things that don't necessarily pull the reader through your story and yeah. that is that's the those things don't tend to even so though they're awesome yeah yeah um which may be interesting and in like i mean i know i and honestly as much as i i talk about this i also i tend to do a lot of research and so i include like cool things and um and I, and I need, you know, like they're cool to me, but they're not necessarily cool to the, to the reader who's not as interested in, you know, why we say neat and tidy. <laughs> I'll let that hang. <laughs> That's right. That'll pull you through. I'll, yeah. I'll reveal it on a future episode. And uh, so you have to keep yeah. listening. Well we'll, well, we'll we'll end on that um that intriguing hook. Then I think I think that's a good way to end our first twenty pages. <laughs> Have you got um anything else you'd like to to add? Uh, yeah. Oh, and then I would say, um, yeah. Don't uh, stay. You know, avoid staying in the character's head too much. Like get them involved interacting with other people right away in the beginning is probably another important thing 
and then um, if you you know I think a lot of people who are submitting in you know in the traditional world or submitting to um, for um, literary contests and prizes don't necessarily um, hire an editor to you know to look over that stuff um, but I think it's a good idea to get objective feedback so beta readers or or hire an editor to look through your first 20 pages and and give you feedback on the story and the things that you could do to amp it up so that would be my final tip because that can be pretty cheap right isn't it you know it's, you're not having to sort of send them the whole book just right you know. yeah yeah <laughs> Well, that's do that. Great. Yeah, that's great <laughs> advice. <laughs> well, if you like the show, um, as you know, as as brilliant as it has been, <laughs> please leave us a review on iTunes, a plus on Google, or a like on YouTube. Or if you're an editor who'd like to be a guest on the show, stop by thebookeditshow.com and drop us an email. I'm Peter Surley, and for our co-host Leslie Watts, keep writing, keep learning, and build a better book. Thank you for listening, and come back next week for more. Please visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books and extras, and for information on how to be a guest on the show.